is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to tell you about five basic survival skills that you need to have to make it through and endure this ungodly world in which you live. Now, if you don't think it's an ungodly world, well, maybe you've been brainwashed by mainstream churchianity by listening to so much pablum you don't even realize just how rotten this society is. Yeah, there are ministries out there that would lead you to believe, well, everything's okay and we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, oh yeah. Don't need to worry about a thing. Now, Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 10 and verse 22, he said, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And the question is, why would you be hated? Uh, how many ministries do you know that are hated? Uh, was Billy Graham hated? Is Joe Olstein hated? Uh, is Robert Schuller hated? You know, is, um, are, are most ministries hated? Jesus said, you're going to be hated. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. What is Jesus talking about? Well, he's talking about you got to have survival skills to make it. Especially if you claim to be a Christian. And there are spiritual survival skills that we need to have. And that's what I want to talk about today. Five basic survival skills that you need to have. Now, if we look at it from the physical sense of talking about survival, what would, you know, five things, what are the basics that you got to have if you're out in the woods or, you know, and you just got caught out in the middle of the woods somewhere, got lost or whatever? What is it that you have to have in order to survive? Well, first of all, you need to have shelter in order to regulate, depending, depending on the temperature. You know, if it's freezing cold, you're going to have to have shelter to regulate your body temperature. You're going to have to have water. You're going to have to have food, and you also need fire. That's four of them. And you know, without the knowledge, without the know-how, I mean, how do you build a fire without matches? You know, uh, you know and, and it's, it's true when it comes to spiritual survival skills. If you don't have the know-how when it comes to spiritual uh, Bible skills, skills you, you may be an intellectual genius when it comes to the Word of God. But if you don't know how to apply the truth and do the truth and walk the truth, it's not doing you a bit of good, even though you got all this head knowledge. I have found that a lot of people are intellectually converted, which equals no conversion at all, by the way. But intellectual, they, can, they got all the right answers, but they never learn how to walk the walk and apply the skills. So spiritual survival skills are critical to have the know-how. Now, there's something called the rule of threes when we're talking about physical survival skills, surviving out in the wilderness. You need to understand this. You, you, you can last three minutes without air, the human body. You can last three hours without regulated body temperature. You can last three days without water. And you can last three weeks without food. That's the rule of threes. Okay. So basic survival skills. And I'm going to list them according to their importance. First one was shelter. Yeah, three hours without regulated body temperature and you're going to die unless you get your body temperature regu regulated. 
uh, water, three days, the next one, three days without water, three weeks without food. But I want to tell you the fifth and most important survival skill you need to have, and it is attitude. Yeah. You see, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. Okay. Now, when f faced with potential uh, survival situations, remember to use the spear. That's S-P-E-A-R. S-P-E-A-R. And it means stop, plan, execute, assess, and reevaluate. And it's really a state of mind. I mean, it really is. You know, they've, they've said that people that have survived a plane crash. Now, I know not many people survive those, but, but the ones who do, you know, the ones that can keep their cool and can do this, stop, plan, execute, assess, and reevaluate, they have a much greater chance of surviving. The ones that just freak out and blow a gasket, they're going to die. Okay, stop, plan, execute, assess, and reevaluate. It's really a state of mind. Okay, the first one, the first most important survival skill you need to have is your attitude. Proverbs 18 and verse 14 says, The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear? Another translation says this, A good attitude will support you when you are sick, but if you give up, nothing can help you. Absolutely nothing can get, help you. So attitude, you know, we're talking about physical sickness here, and it is true that we are living, here, here's the thing, okay, physical sickness is one thing, and you got to have a good attitude to conquer that, a good mental positive attitude, but we're living in a sick world, don't you know? You know, I was listening to something, I think it was Phil Roberts, Robertson said, you know, they, I might have told this story before, but he was being interviewed by this, um, I think, gay guy, and they were taking pictures of Phil and his wife and his dog and and you know the gay guy said now Mr. Robertson you know is this okay and do you want to take this picture like it and this shot okay and and Mr. Phil Robertson said well it's your world I'm just trying to live in it which is a powerful statement I mean th this is what you got to get your mind around as a Christian it's not our world and that is the message of the Feast of Tabernacles I don't know if you ever heard of the feast but it's a powerful spiritual event, last seven days, or a total of eight, actually, but including the last great day. But it, what, what the feast reveals is that this is not our world. We're just living in it. The world of the gay community. Hey, it's your world. I'm just trying to live in it. The world of abuse and sexual abuse. The world of some crazy man up on a roof killing people. You know, hey, it's your world. I'm just trying to live in it. You know, it's not our world. As a, This is not where we belong. It's a sin-sick world. Jesus said, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come to this earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is an acknowledgement. Now, number one, this ain't God's world. Excuse the grammar. And God's will is not being done on earth right now. And that's why we're praying for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not God's world. It's not God's world right now. I don't care if you're impressed with all the 450,000 churches that dot our land. I don't care if you're impressed with religion on TV, the 650,000 preachers on TV. I'm not impressed at all. I'm not impressed at all. You know, I met a man just recently. He said, you know, I don't like preachers. And I said, I don't either. You know, I, I really don't either. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, 
We're living in a sick world, and you've got to have survival skills, spiritual survival skills in order to survive. Now, first one is attitude. Attitude, your attitude will be everything. My attitude, my choice. Don't ever forget those words. My attitude, my choice. You know, I think of Jesus. You know, how did you ever ask this question? How did Jesus, knowing what he, at what age did he begin to know that he was the Lamb of God that would be slain and killed. At what age did he, did he know it at age 12, 13, 14, 15? Well, there was some, at some point, he realized totally what his mission was, knowing that he would give his life for the sins of mankind. Now, knowing that, how did he make it every day? How did he get up with the right attitude? How did he, you know, how did he keep from saying, whoa, it's me, you know, I'm the savior, I gotta die. I mean, how exciting, how excited can you get about that? You know, I gotta die. Uh, I gotta give my life for the sins of mankind. How did he do it? How did he survive day in and day out? And you don't see Jesus with some poor, woe is me, misery loving type of man, no. He had a positive attitude, and I'm, I'm telling you, attitude is everything. Proverbs 23 and verse 7, it's, a, it's the most important survival skill you will have, attitude. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, again, the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. So survival skill number one is your attitude. Number two, your emotions. Your emotions. Proverbs 25 and verse 28 says this. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. If you don't have control over your emotions, you are going to be vulnerable. You're going to be like a city without walls. People, things, everything will attack you. And you're always going to get your feelings hurt. If you don't have rule over your emotions, rule over your spirit. There's a movie I love called Rigoletto. And uh, Rigoletto is like a, he's a, a god of music. He has magical powers to heal people and to make things better. It's a powerful movie. I've watched it about 10 times. But uh, in the movie, there's a boy named Porter who stutters a lot and he's got a problem. And uh, he, he, he comes from a sort of a dysfunctional family system. His dad is very abusive and mean and verbally mean and He's poor and doesn't have any money, and so he always has to work. And he's never there for the children. He's never there for Porter. He's never there for the daughter. And Porter is talking to Rigoletto, and he, he, he bursts out. He says, I hate my dad. I hate my dad. And Rigoletto says, you know what I think? I think you love your dad, but you hate the way you feel. Change the way you feel. And every time I watch that short segment of that movie, I mean, the hair stands straight up on my back, I mean, on my, on my head, whatever. And, and I think, yeah, that's it. Change the way you feel. It's easier said than done, by the way. But consider this. I'm going to put this up so you can read it and let these words sink in. I want you to think about what I'm about to say here. If you have a choice to think a negative thought, but thinking that thought will keep you from where you want to go versus thinking a positive thought, but thinking that thought will at least give you a chance to get to where you want to be, why do we continue to take the first choice? In other words, why do we continue? If you have a choice, and you do have a choice, 
when it comes to your emotions. Why do we continue to think the, the negative thought that will keep you from where you want to be. It's like we're getting some out, something out of it. It's like we love our misery. We love thinking negatively. And, and we know thinking it will not get us to where we want to be versus thinking a positive thought and thinking that thought will at least give you a chance to get to where you want to be. Why do we always choose that first choice? Rule your emotions is what I'm saying. That's the second survival skill. Third survival skill is faith. Faith, yes, Hebrews 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, sometimes we can get so down and out and we say, what's the use in having faith? What's the use in believing the best? Well, let me tell you the reason. Because your faith produces rewards. Faith is believing that what you are doing has a reward. So often, we do things for God believing there is no reward. Nothing could be further from the truth. You gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. You gotta believe. Number four, survival skills. Do the work. Do the work. Yeah, get off your butt and do the work. Quit lying around and sitting there and sitting on your hands and doing nothing. Do something for pity's sakes. Do the work. Galatians 6 and verse 4 says, But let every man prove his own work, and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. You know, your work is unique. It is your work, and nobody else can do it like you. And you need to be proud of that. You need to be encouraged by that, that, that you are the only one that can do the work that you do, and you need to do it with all your heart and with all your mind. You know, survival takes a lot of work. If you're out there physically trying to survive, it's going to, it's going to take every ounce of energy that you have. So you need to identify the work that God has called you to do. And you need to do the work. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Trust the river of God's spirit that is flowing. And, and, and the spirit doesn't call us to, to just sit on our hands, but to work. So, survival skill, number four, is do the work. Number five, identify your idols. If you're going to survive in this ungodly society, you've got to identify your idols. Never allow a person whose character is questionable to be a moral compass. Let me repeat that. Never allow a person whose character is questionable to be a moral compass. There is nothing that causes more confusion and moral corruption than idol worship. You just got some movie star, some singer that you idolize. There's nothing that will screw you up more than idol worship. You know, when I was a little boy, a young boy, a young teenager, my idol was Evil Knievel. Yeah, I mean, it was just something about taking a motorcycle and jumping, you know, uh, I never jumped a car, I jumped a few sticks in the road, stuff like that, but I just loved that concept. You know, he was my idol. And I found out later, I watched a documentary on Evil Knievel, and I found out he was a womanizer. He was uh, drink way too much. And it was just a lot of bad things about the man. You see, if you search your idols and find out what they're really like, you're not going to be impressed at all. I can guarantee you that. You're just not going truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So I want to challenge you 
to check out your idols, the people that you're really impressed with, the movie stars, the actors, the singers, and look at what they're really like. And it's a huge letdown, by the way. It really is. Huge letdown. Number six, survival skill. Never allow talking heads to be your conscience. Never allow talking heads to be your conscience. You know, your consciousness is supposed to be the Spirit of God and the Bible, you see. And people who don't have the Spirit of God and they don't read their Bibles, their consciousness will be their idols and talking heads. Yeah, you see this all the time, you know. The mindless wizards on The View and what well, Ellen said. You know, Ellen said this, you know, mindless wizards. And that's who they trust and that's who they look to when you don't have the Spirit of God and you don't know your Bible. Number seven, don't let your enemy stop you. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 18, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. You know, I could give you a list a mile long of the way that Satan stops us. And when I say stop, I'm just saying you're sitting on your hands, you're not doing anything. You're not moving off dead center. You're not doing anything. You're just grieving in your misery. He has a list a mile long of ways that he hinders us and stops us from doing what we need to be doing. My own personal experience is, is something I might have told you before, but in school, I was very good at dodgeball. I couldn't be hit with dodgeball. I mean, I just couldn't. I don't care how many, you know, eight balls coming toward me, I could dodge them all. It's just amazing. I, mean, I impressed myself with that stuff. But anyway, a couple of guys over there watching me. I was just outwardly expressing myself, getting into the game, having a wonderful time. And a couple of guys were watching me. And I don't know if they were jealous or what, but they came up to me and they said, you know, you really think you're something, don't you? You really think you're something. You need to be lowered down to our level. You know, and we got in a fight. But that event at that early age, you know, it was a defining moment that, for me. And uh, it was a defining moment because I sort of went around for a big part of my life thinking, you know, you should never think of yourself as something. You are less than nothing, you know. And it sort of just, it drove me crazy for many years. Uh, uh, you know, and things, I'd always question my motives. Or, are you sure you got the right motive? And, you know, you shouldn't think yourself to be anything, you know, because you're less, you're less than nothing. Yeah, you see, there are defining moments that can destroy us if you allow it. And you need to get past your defining moments and realize that was a bunch of crock anyway. You know, they were just jealous and for whatever reason, and I needed to get past that. Um, but those bad foundational defining moments, Satan will use against you to stop you where you won't do a thing. You always question yourself whether you should do it or not, and you won't do a thing but sit on your hands. Don't let Satan hinder you. Do the work. Get busy. Now I want to get, again, the basic survival skills. I want to look at the physical one and compare them to the spiritual ones. Or go back to the physical survival skills and ask, what can we learn about these physical survival skills? You know, the first one was um, the shelter. And you know, the church should be our shelter. It really is. You know, Acts 20 and verse 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer to feed the flock of God which he has purchased with his own blood. You know, Christ purchased the church with his own blood. And that sort of gives you a clue as to how important the church is if he purchased it with his own blood. It's pretty important. 
Every Sabbath we gather with like-minded people and we are protected from and, and encouraged from the cold, cruel world in which we live. Saying I don't need a church is like saying you don't need a shelter. And again, you can only go three hours without regulated body temperature. I sort of look at the church as regulating our spirit. Without the church, you'll be just another nut, a loose nut on the end of the shaft. That's all you will ever, you'll go around concocting all kinds of harebrained theories about the Bible. You'll have no stability. You'll have no groundedness. You'll be just a, another religious buffoon without the church. You need that substance. You need that regulated body temperature. You need someone to jerk you up by the collar and say, look, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. You know, you need the groundedness of the church. The church regulates our spirit. And without it, you'll be just another nut, loose nut, <laughs> on the end of the shaft. Okay, the Holy Spirit, water. Okay, rivers of living water. This is a physical thing you gotta have to survive. John 7 and verse 38, and he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they had believed on him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And what can I say about the Spirit of God? Well, I can only repeat what the Bible says. Now, if any man have not the Spirit, he is none of his. The greatest gift God can give you, next to his son, Jesus, to die for your sin, of course. But the greatest gift, is the Spirit of God. It is God's spiritual DNA. And don't ever assume just because you, God is drawing you through His Spirit that that means you have the Spirit dwelling inside of you. Receiving the Spirit of God, where God's Spirit unites with your spirit and a new creature in Christ starts to develop, that occurs by something you, you got to do. You got to go to the church and say, I want to be baptized. Repent of your sin. Have a minister, yeah, have it. You can't, you can't baptize yourself. You can't lay hands on yourself. You know, I, uh, I know I've sort of been down on the church because I'm not impressed with church, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying that there are things that you got to have the church for. You can't lay hands on you for sickness. You can't do that yourself. So you, you have a minister lay you down in the waters for the forgiveness of your sins, you're baptized, the burial of the old man, you come back up, we lay hands on you for the receiving of the Holy Spirit, and we ask God to give you a portion of His Holy Spirit, and the angels are rejoicing in heaven, and here is one more potential child of God. And at that moment, if your heart is right, you receive God's spiritual DNA, God's Spirit, and you'll never be the same. God will begin to work on you in the right way. You won't be another loose nut on the end of the shaft. You'll have some, you know, some substance there. You'll have some groundedness about you. Food, physical uh, skill, you gotta have survival skill. The word of God, Matthew 4 and verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When we feel dried up without inspiration, that's a sure sign that we need to return to the Word of God. And again, you can only go three weeks without food, which is another reason you need a church. You got to have that food, but don't just depend on the church to give it to you. You need to do your homework yourself. Okay, 
Another survival skill is, is fire. You gotta have fire, heat, you know, whatever. You gotta have fire to cook stuff. I look at fire as passion. You know, Hebrews 12 and verse 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. I really look at passion as a survival skill. I really do. You know, you may have gifts of the spirits. You may have a ministry, but without passion, it will just be a thing that you do and it won't amount to a hill of beans. You know, if a house is burning down, people will stop on the side of the road just to watch it burn to the ground. You know, we need to be like that, like a house on fire. We need to have pray for passion. A city on a hill cannot be hid. A light into the world, you need to have passions. Passion, excuse me. Don't, I have this plaque hanging in my garage. It says this, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs are people who have come alive. So to sum this up, your attitude will be directly connected to what you are passionate about. Your emotional health will depend on what you're passionate about. What drives your faith depends on what you're passionate about. The quality of your work depends on what you're passionate about. So again, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs are people who have come alive. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been sponsored by your local Church of God, Rocky Mount. We invite you to fellowship with us every Saturday afternoon at 1.30. Our address is Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, you can contact us by email at minister at cogrm.com. That's minister at C-O-G-R-M dot com. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.